uniting thousands to worship one. This is United Breaks Out. You are listening to New Wine FM podcasts for United Breaks Out 2020. And I'm Sally Roper. And I'm Dave Roper. And we are currently sat in our bedroom, surrounded by many duvets and cushions. For the purposes of... Excellent sound. Indeed. Indeed. We are insulated. We are incubated. We are dripping with It's sweat. getting a little bit warm, don't lie. Um, it's been quite a hot day. It has been a hot day today so far, but not as hot as yesterday. Yeah. Not as hot as yesterday. We hope that this podcast finds you well and enjoying new wine and um, in all that new wine are putting out there. And tonight... Luminosity. Let's have a chat about it. It was a really, really great session. Hopefully, those of you who have been listening to it found it as enjoyable as we did. It was excellent. It started with some fantastic worship. It is so good to worship, isn't it? And I know it's not the same standing in a massive room, a massive tent with so many other people worshipping Jesus. But there, for me, have been moments where I've actually felt the Holy Spirit really close and really like a a, every now and then just a moment of that really beautiful fresh breeze that comes from worshipping and spending time with the Spirit yeah and I find that just by having like a band that I'm sort of familiar with or used to and songs that I'm used to singing at at New Wine and just the the times when the worship sets have been on a stage um, Mm. and they've had like a background behind them it's just it's, oh, it's felt a bit nice. more new wine. It's reminded me of new wine, but yeah. in a good way. It hasn't made me sad for what I'm missing. It's felt like a little bit more of a connection yeah, with it. Yeah, very, very cool. But then after that, Dot was having a chat with Daisy. Yes, Dot oh, and Daisy. That, that was, was so cool. It was a really good chat. Daisy's awesome. So mm. Daisy's trained to be an actress. So that's yes. her dream, is to train to be yeah. an actress. She was talking about drama school um, she was, auditions, wasn't Which she? is something we can relate to because yeah. our one of our children, our eldest, is going for drama school and, um, and theatre stuff for this September. And, and so we've lived through some of that very tricky audition process. Yes. And it's really, really, really interesting. But the thing that I loved about what Daisy was talking about was how she feels called to do that. And there were a number of things that really stood out for me. So the first thing that stood out for me was that she spoke about taking risks for God. That idea of just jump. If he says do it, just do it. And yeah. we can totally relate to that. Um, for those of you who are not New Wine FM regular listeners, a couple of years ago we had our first year presenting on New Wine FM and it came just before we were about to start our own law firm, which we've now been running for nearly two years. And that jump of let's just do it. We haven't got any money, we don't know what's going to happen, but we feel God's calling us to do it. And we just did it. So I felt I could really relate to that thing of the fear of, oh my gosh, I'm going to do something yeah. scary. But... I know God wants me to do it and I can't shake he wants me to do it and so I'm going to absolutely go for it. And if you are maybe one of those people that feels like, oh, I'm not a natural risk taker, this isn't my sort of thing. Which is like you, which is a lot like you. Which is very much like me. Um, It was just really encouraging just to hear from someone who seem to kind of have a, a bit of that sort of anxiety Mm. of not just, oh, this is exciting, this is a new adventure, but actually wow, this is big and Mm. how is this going to go? But going with it anyway. And I love the way that Daisy also spoke about, you know, when it's been really tough, what do you do? And one, one question that Dot had for her was, what do you do when you can't hear God's voice? And she spoke about going and speaking to somebody older than her and wiser than her and having those wise voices. And I love that. I just, as a woman, I've always had the benefit of older women who kind of walk alongside me and walk with me and have kind of gone before me and they go just give it a go Sal don't be scared and I just loved Daisy saying that I thought that was very wise of her actually yeah. um, and the other thing you know this thing of how do you know what your calling is and she spoke about 
taking opportunities, those opportunities to explore, whether it's going and doing a course or whether it's taking some time out and going and volunteering or serving. And we know that there are so many organisations that um, New Wine are supporting this year and many opportunities to go and serve. And it's just working out, isn't it? When you go for something, does this make me burn with passion? Do I go, come on, I've got to do something about this? And then, and it worked really, really nicely. And then moving over into when Dot was speaking, And Dot was speaking about this idea of um, God calling us into the wild spaces of Jesus, the places that are perhaps a little bit more difficult. And she spoke about this idea of, you know, the story of the Bible and how it's really easy for us to just go, yeah, God loves me. And that is so nice. And that's where I'm going to sit. But actually, God calls us for more. He calls us to grasp his heart for justice. Yes. His heart for, um, she talked about, you know, pursuing Jesus, justice and righteousness when she was chatting with Daisy. And that totally came through then when she was speaking later on about this idea of where is there injustice and where do I need to go and what am I going to do about it? Yeah. And and you certainly had some of that, didn't you, when you were younger? Yeah, absolutely. And particularly when I started at university, uh, actually. um, And and this whole thing of kind of social activism wasn't such a Mm. big thing back then. But because I was doing a law degree, um, and to be blunt, a lot of my thinking about studying law was, I think lawyers are quite rich, and that sounds like that would be nice. Mm. And so I had quite a wrestling quite early (laughs) on in my degree. If only I knew. If only I knew that, sadly, (laughs) that's not the truth. Um, uh, And what I found really early on in my degree was having to do a bit of kind of soul-searching of what are good reasons for me to be a lawyer? What mm. What is God actually interested in when it comes to the law, justice, that sort of thing? Yeah. And I'm pleased that it was a really good experience to go through to look at what the Bible has to say about yeah. justice and the oppressed and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. But you do have to go through that. You do have to go through that process of what is God saying to me? What does God want for me? What should I be going for? Yeah, and Dot spoke about, let's change this broken world. And there are places, aren't there, that are so broken. I know that you had a year in Uganda where you served and you saw lots of broken places. But all we have to do is turn on the news. And Dot talked about that as well. Who are you following on Instagram? Are you following different news channels? Are you following news outlets? Are you aware of what is going on around you in your community, in your national community, but also in the international community? And, And being brave enough to say okay Jesus I'm going to hear your voice calling me into this wild adventure that's what Dot said a wild adventure in the wild spaces of Jesus so we hope that tonight you feel called and pushed and nudged by God to consider where do you burn with passion where are you going to see injustice and do something about it are you going to write a letter or or join a campaign are you going to sign petitions are you going to be a voice for the voiceless i'm loving what's coming out of luminosity so far the last couple of nights we've heard a lot about justice and i love this generation who are so passionate for love and god's justice to be absolutely reigning supreme our prayer for you is that you will catch this fire and catch this exciting sense of God's justice and what you can be to be a part of that. God bless you guys. We hope you've had a great night tonight. We hope you get to connect with some of your friends that you would have been catching up with. I happen to know that the Rock Solid team are having a lot of catch-ups. So if you're usually serving on a team, catch up with some of your buds from your team that you were serving in. And if you're not, if you're usually just a part of what's going on with the youth and this year you would have been ready for luminosity and you're getting involved with try and connect with some other people that are doing the same god bless you guys we love you and we'll speak to you tomorrow catch you soon united 2020 on new wine fm
That was David and Sally Roper giving us some insight as to what our young people are getting up to there at Luminosity. And if you want to find out more about Luminosity, just go to weareluminosity.org. Ben Lindsay was speaking in Impact last night, and he was sharing what it's like to be a black Christian in this country and gave a challenging talk on what, as Christians, we should be doing. Gary Dell gives us his thoughts on what Ben had to say. It's possibly no surprise that the start of the message from Power the Fight Chief Executive Ben Lindsay included a no-holes-barred video full of images of racial tension and injustices, including the footage that went viral of the moments leading up to the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis at the end of May. Coronavirus hasn't been the only thing which has been impacting us here in the UK and globally. That clip really demonstrates the pain and the the anguish and the frustration of what is happening around the globe when it comes to understanding, appreciating and engaging with racial injustice. He went on to give some hard-hitting facts from a recent survey, which are an uncomfortable listen. A recent YouGov poll of black, Asian and minority ethnic Britons surveyed over the past month reveals the extent to which prejudice and discrimination is embedded in society. It found that two-thirds of black Britons have had a racial slur directed at them or had people make assumptions about their behaviour based on their race. Three quarters have been asked that question, which if you're a black or brown person, you will know well, where are you really from? More than half say their career development has been affected because of their race. And the proportion of black people who have been racially abused in the workplace is almost the same proportion as those who have been abused in the street. When we add that black people in the UK have comparatively low levels of wealth and how we have seen the impact of COVID-19, there's a revelation really that mortality risks are highest for black women and black men compared to white groups. In his message, Ben Lindsay offers three things that happen if we don't engage with racial injustice. So number one, when Christians do not take racial justice seriously, you get no peace in the body of Christ. Malcolm X, activist, radical, made a fair but damning assessment of the church, saying, what is the greatest single reason for this Christian church's failure? It is Failure to combat racism. It is the old, you sow, you reap story. If there's one verse which possibly backs up what Malcolm X said, it's from 1 Corinthians 12, 26, where it says, if one member suffer, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. In my experience as a black Christian, I'm not always seeing the white church step up and suffer with our brothers and sisters who are part of the body. Secondly, you get no peace in the mind. You see, if racism was a cancer diagnosis, it would be stage four. What is stage four cancer? Well, stage four cancer is sometimes referred to as metastatic cancer because it often means the cancer has spread from its origin to distant parts of the body. And yes, racism is that serious. It's as serious as cancer. It kills, 
like cancer. That's as we can see with Jules Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown in the US and in this country, Mark Duggan, Stephen Lawrence and others. It's in the very fabric of our society. It's historic, as we've spoken about. And unfortunately, it's also in the body of Christ, the church. Thirdly, you get no peace in the world. In Terry Pratchett's book, Reaper Man, the character Death said to his apprentice this, there's no justice, there's just us. You see, when the church ignores her remit to seek justice and correct oppression, as we've read in Isaiah, the world works out how to handle injustice for themselves and effectively are saying, there's no justice, there's just us, which is a real shame because we know that we serve a just God. And there is multiple examples in the Bible where God is calling for justice for humankind and uses us mere mortals to demonstrate his justice. We see it with Moses, we see it with Gideon, and we see it with Esther. But what does he see as the problem? So here's the problem. Instead of the church, instead of Christians leading the way and getting behind racial justice movements, what we tend to do is that we moan. We tend to disengage. But the problem is, if we took on the mantle, what God calls us to do, and fight for the oppressed, correct oppression and seek justice in the way the Bible teaches us, the world would see God's justice. But because we haven't engaged, we've got no right to moan when others step into the arena. And Jesus, his response to this is damning. Matthew 23. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. There's a warning that when we do not demonstrate the love and the justice of our father, we are putting barriers up for people walking in. He also suggests that we're focusing on the wrong things and not justice, mercy and faithfulness as we should be. You see, this is a defining moment for church and race relations. Either this will be the moment when people will see the heart of Christ and will see the the love of Christ the mercy of Christ and we'll see the heart of of Christians running to this particular issue for those who are marginalised or those who are suffering and we will see revival or it will be the moment where people will leave the church because of the apathy of white Christians. But there could be an answer and it's a heart issue according to Ben Lindsay. But more than anything else, this is a heart issue and we can see how God impacts our hearts around these type of prejudices in Acts 10. Peter, the Jew, shares the good news of Jesus with Cornelius, the Gentile, and his family. This is meaningful for many reasons, but mainly because Peter's heart was exposed to his hidden prejudices towards the Gentiles. This encounter became the impetus and trigger for the message of Jesus to be shared outside the Jewish community. And what we've just read in Acts 10 is that for racism to be eradicated, a heart change needs to happen with the UK church and for many white Christians. You can watch Ben Lindsay's message in full on breaksout.new-wine.org or listen as a podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search New Wine. 
but I'll leave the final thought and call to action to Ben himself. The point is this. Racism is everyone's responsibility. It's not just the responsibility of black and brown people. As Dr Elizabeth Henry said, who was the Church of England's advisor on minority ethnic concerns and issues, she says this, there is something deeply perverse in expecting those who are oppressed and or excluded to be the architects of eliminating their oppression and or exclusion. You see, if you're a white Christian and you're watching this, we need to be aware of the past and present trauma that people of colour have or are going through. And this should inspire you to engage with racial justice even more. This is United Breaks Out on New Wine FM. Next up will be Jen Swallow, who's going to be our guide as we are looking at what's going on in the arena this evening. Tonight in the arena, we heard from Joe Saxton, an author, speaker, podcast host and leadership coach who has dedicated her career to growing leadership teams around the world and empowering people, but especially women, to find their purpose in their personal lives and in leadership. Joe began the evening by acknowledging how various things going on in our world at the moment are together causing heartache and many changes to the plans we had in mind. But it's a comfort to me to know that it's not a shock to God. It's a comfort for me to know that when I look in the Bible, we see the people of God working out what it means to walk with him in times of significant upheaval and uncertainty. Egypt, the wilderness, exile, the early church, times of significant uncertainty, hardship, upheaval, and yet God, but still God. And so with that in mind, I want to share a few thoughts and I'm going to be in different parts of the Bible with each point. But the overriding sense is this. I believe even in these times, God is here with us right now. God will lead us to what is next. But God is doing something new. I repeat those. God is here with us, you and I right now. God will lead us to what is next. But God is doing something new. And I invite you to journey um, through the scriptures with me and, um, and see what he has to say to us in the way that he longs to say it. Our God doesn't want to be silent. Joe then refers to the time when the disciples are in a boat and so afraid by the storm around them that they didn't even recognise Jesus. She reminds us what he said. Take courage. It is I. She goes on, the one who has been with you in your triumphs and loss, in your joy and mourning, and in your confusion. And he invites us to rely on the story we have of God in the past to carry us through this moment. The circumstances may be unrecognisable, but our God is still the same. What's your story with God? What are the high points and what are the low points where you've seen him come through? I encourage you to write them down. um, Do a voice memo on your phone if you need to. Find a way in which you can keep on reminding yourself that that God is right here. She uses the life story of Esther to show how God will always work through his people, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Joe says, we see Esther drawing on her spiritual capital, engaging spiritually, and then stepping out. 
You see, many of us are, are in the middle of decision fatigue. How many of you are making all kinds of decisions for your kids, for yourself, for your extended family members, for your churches, whatever your space, for your employees, for your employer? And it's overwhelming because none of us have done global pandemics before. None of us have done that with a vulnerable economy before. None of us have done a, um, a global pandemic, vulnerable eco economy and significant racial unrest all at the same time before. And so this is the moment, friends, where we, if, as we, as God wants to lead us into what's next, we draw on our spiritual capital. We invest in prayer. We invest in fasting. We invest in seeking his face. And then we step out. I love the fact that Esther is not like, okay, I'm just gonna pray about it and then done. She's, I'm gonna pray about it and then I'm going into this. And I think that's an invitation for you and I, that we pray about it, that we invest and draw on our spiritual capital, but we do so on the move. We do so as we engage in the call of God on our lives. I think that's what he's inviting us to. God is here with you now, but God will lead you into what is next. She then reminds us that our darkest times can be places of connection with the Lord, when our next steps can become clearer. And Joe encourages us to pray up and engage. God is here with you now, but God will lead you to what's next. And I invite you and I urge you leaders in our time and in our day, and I invite you and I urge you community leaders, whether it's as a stay-at-home mother, as a grandfather, whatever your space, God is wanting to lead you to the next thing. Seek him. Seek him in, with lament. Seek him as you process all the events of this year. Seek him as you go through the news and step out in his name. Through the transition from John the Baptist to Jesus, Joe shows that God is not just in the now. Our God is doing a new thing. And she encourages us to see God at work in the things that are happening around us. This very movement, this very event and all the things coming off it are called new wine. And you'll remember the story in, um, that the parable Jesus gives and says, you know, they say the old wine is better. This word, this work, this movement is new wine, not old vintage. The old vintage, by the way, awesome, absolutely glorious. But God is doing something new and it stretches us and it's vulnerable and it doesn't look as good and taste as good and it feels like harder work and it's tempting in this moment to rely on the nostalgia of our faith than be prophetic into what the Lord is doing. And so I want to encourage you and urge you, where is the Lord right now? Jesus said in John 5, 19, I only see what I only do what I see the Father doing. What's the Father doing? It may be unrecognizable. It may be uncomfortable. But is, is the Father there? Is the Father moving around the streets of our cities and our communities where people are longing for hope? Is the Father there moving amongst protesters and demonstrations where people are longing for justice? Is the Father there moving and working in communities which have been fragmented, where people have been too busy to know each other's names and now that's all they've got? Is the Father there? Because if he's there, let's join him on what he's doing. And it may mean the dismantling of the old things, the wonderful, good, faithful, sacrificial things. And it's no diss on what the past has been. 
but in the same way that John the Baptist was leading to the moment when Jesus would take the stage? What if the years and the things we've invested in the ways we've done church and the ways that we've gathered and the ways that we've worked were leading to what God was doing now? What if God was laying foundations, preparing hearts, preparing things for the past so that we can engage now? Are you ready for God's new thing? Joe finishes the evening with a powerful prayer. And you can hear the full talk at new-wine.org forward slash breaks out. June Swallow is reflecting on some of the highlights from Joe Saxton's talk in the arena stream this evening. Next, Gary Dell looks at what Jill Duff has been offering in her morning sessions in Impact. Nehemiah was an easy choice for the Bishop of Lancaster, who started her second session with a reminder of where she got to at the end of her first. So we pick up the story from yesterday in Nehemiah chapter 2. So do find your Bible again and turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. The king has asked, what do you want? Nehemiah breathes a prayer to the God of heaven and replies big. And the reason he replies big is because he has spent time praying and fasting in the presence of God. Don't miss out on opportunities on open doors just because all you can see is a tiny chink of light. That's how it seems. But why not ask God for his big visions through the door? Jill reminds us that Nehemiah dreamed big, but that his mission encountered opposition. And what is the first thing that happens when this mission of Nehemiah is released. Guess what? Opposition. Chapter 2, verse 10. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. When you hear despising words about the church, and especially when they come from your own mouth, watch that, because that is the kingdom of darkness being provoked. You see, in Western Europe, we can lull ourselves with our comfort blankets, um, our healthcare provision into a false sense of security. We can lull ourselves to sleep because we don't like to talk about the kingdom of darkness. In fact, in my early days as a pioneer minister church planting, one uh, senior leader once said to me um, at this awful point when it felt like all hell had broken loose, well, Jill, if it's from God, it should be easy. And uh, the encouragement is to sort of think again. No, actually, if you're following Jesus, you'll be crucified. I'll speak more about that uh, tomorrow. If it's from God, at the very least, expect opposition. The New Testament is clear. This is Ephesians 6 verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But it wasn't easy opposition to overcome. And Nehemiah records seven oppositions as he rebuilds the wall of Jerusalem. And for the rest of our time together, I'll be taking these in turn. See if you can spot them in the opposition that you are facing. You see, we're about rebuilding the city spiritually as well as physically. And this means we'll get opposition spiritually as well as physically. So, opposition number one. The officials were disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. When we meet with opposition, our instinct, it's very human instinct, is to fight back. No, this isn't the way of Jesus. This isn't the way of the cross. This is Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shear is silent, 
So he did not open his mouth. Because Naaman had better things to do than expend his energy on this. He took time to explore, to look, to perceive. He examined the walls of Jerusalem. He allowed his heart to prophesy over the dead bones. And then there was more. Opposition number two. As soon as the missionaries were revealed to others, that's verse 18, I told them about the gracious hand of God and what the king had said to me, we get a second blast of opposition. No, verse 19. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this that you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Note this. Humiliation, belittling, discouragement, false accusation of rebellion. Does this ring any bells for you? But Nehemiah pressed on undeterred. He drew a line. It's not about us, it's about God. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in this. This is typical. In the early days of enacting a new vision, key people who you think should be on board tend to be half-hearted, even suspicious. Don't worry, this is what you can expect. In Luke chapter 1, when Mary says, yes, this incredible vision from the angel Gabriel, that you will have a son, he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. Remember the story? She goes home to tell Joseph, who is a man of God. He wants to divorce her. Visions from God are usually so terrifying that even our Josephs, those closest to us, want to divorce us. And it just keeps coming. Then opposition number three. Fury, mocking, spreading negative words and discouraging rumours. Sounds familiar? This is chapter four. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of associates, lovely when it moves to happening publicly, and the army of Samaria, when it moves to happening with the people you need on your side. He said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they, fin will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Um, can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Notice there's questions, lots of questions. People in, in, um, in meetings who just ask questions, no solutions. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even, if even a fox climbed on it, he would break down that wall of stones. Do these threats sound familiar? Turn these stones into bread, if you're the son of God. Prove yourself right now. Many of God's visions are aborted before they even start because of discouraging words and negative rumours. But can this opposition get any worse? So opposition number four. And this opposition is a coalition of evil forces plotting to do battle and cause harm. Can you see how they're ramping up? This is verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7. When Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the men of Ashdod, there's more coming around here, heard the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and the gaps had been closed, they were very angry. They plot, all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble. What does Nehemiah do? This is a tactic he's most famous for. Verse 9. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. His response was more prayer and more watchfulness. 
Do you remember Jesus said, watch and pray when he was with Peter, James and John in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was arrested and crucified. This is the most crucial moment in his whole ministry. He said, watch and pray. It's like a hinge moment. But then Nehemiah's focus on God enables him to fight back. And this is what Nehemiah does, doesn't he? This is verse 16. He comes up with a new strategy, half working, half fighting. This is verse 16. From that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armour. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. If you're trying to rebuild the walls, be prepared for opposition. Have your sword ready. And our battle is not against flesh and blood. Don't give up. Stand firm in the full armour of God. And what is the sword? This is Ephesians 6 verse 17. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. Have it always in your hand. That's why you need to know the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, get to know it. Jill Duff suggests that we need to keep our eyes on the task that God has given us during times like these. My experience is that if we keep on building, if we focus on the task, opposition can actually strengthen your team. If you focus on the opposition, that tends to fracture your team. If you focus on the building, it can strengthen because they see the threats come to nothing again and again and again, as threats from the enemy always do. And to end, a final word of encouragement from Jill herself. And may I put in a big plea here. Don't be afraid. It's a big health warning to watch out for fear. Martin Luther, he was a famous um, priest in the church in Germany in sort of 15th century. He said this, you can't stop the birds flying over your head, but you can stop them nesting in your hair. Fear is natural. It stops us getting run over by a bus. It's natural for fears to fly over your head but notice when they start to nest in your hair. And when fears start nesting, it's time to ask Jesus to hoover them up. So there we are, a brief glimpse into Jill Duff's series on Nehemiah, taken from her second session in Impact this morning. And if you want to listen to that, or any of her other sessions, or any of the sessions that have taken place this weekend already, you can do so by going to the United Breaks Out webpage on the New Wine website which you can find at new-wine.org forward slash breaks out. Uniting thousands to worship one. This is United Breaks Out. Tomorrow morning, many churches will be linking their online services directly to United Breaks Out, where Nicola Neal will be speaking on Psalm 23. And this will be the same in both Arena and Impact for their video streaming. We will, of course, be looking at that and other sessions tomorrow in our evening podcast. In our lunchtime podcast, we'll be hearing some of the testimonies from people who've been taking part in United Breaks Out this weekend, some of whom have been attending New Wine for the very first time. But for now, though, from New Wine FM, we'd like to say a good night. God bless you all, and thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to a podcast from New Wine FM. For more information, visit new-wine.org forward slash breaks out.